Well, my hope is this Sunday, as we look into God's word, that we will see the goodness of our God and meditate upon his unchangeable goodness to each of us. And we have just come out of Christmas. Many of you are still in that Christmas haze. You know what I'm talking about. I I see it in my son's eyes this morning. Uh, There is just this exhaustion, this feeling of weariness, Uh, you know, that too much good food, too much fun yesterday, even you get them to bed early enough and they wake up and they don't want to wake up. I, I know that's a bit how I felt. I'm not sure I wanted to wake up this morning. What we find is, you know, Christmas is a wonderful day in which we give and receive gifts. And I was a kid, I, Christmas was pure joy because we received gifts. And really, gifts didn't seem that hard to receive well. You simply got whatever you were given and you rejoiced in it. Uh, as you got older and then you started having to give gifts, well, that is when things got a little more difficult. And the more you care about someone the more difficult it can be to give them a good gift, can't it? I mean, because when you decide upon a gift, you're not just just deciding on what to give them. You're you're making 10 choices about that gift. So you get your husband a shirt or you get your wife a, a sweater or a blouse or skirt or whatever ladies are wearing. And you get them something they want. You get them a piece of jewelry. You're not just getting them a piece of jewelry or a shirt. You, you got to make sure that the size is right, that the color is right, that the pattern is right, that, the, that they like what they're going to be receiving, that the fit is going to be what they want, that it's the kind of metal that they like to wear. And then you want to show that there was some thought behind it, that you put some effort into that gift, that you, that you care about them. It's not just going to the store and, and, and pulling something at random off the shelf. There's, there's got to be something that goes along with that gift to show, hey, I, I care about you. Now, if you're just doing this for an office party and that gift is going to no one in particular, it's going in, maybe it's a, it's a white Christmas gift or, or something like the white elephant or gift or, or something like that. You, you may not know that person well. It, there's not too much that's riding on that gift. But the more you care about someone, the more important that gift is. The pressure of getting it right is intense. In James, what we find in in chapter 1, verses 17 to 18, we find this truth that God is the giver of every good gift. James is the half-brother of Jesus, and as he, as he writes this, he is, he is writing in the context of, of temptation. And what he is saying is that it is God will never send temptation our way. He tests his people. He disciplines us. He may lead us into times of difficulty for our good sake. But on no account and at no time can we ever blame God for for sin or temptation in any way. 
And he makes several statements to support that. But the, the final one, he roots in the character of God. And you see this beginning in verse 17. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. Of his own will, he brought us forth by the word of truth, that we might be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. James, this is a book of wisdom in which he is trying to give practical life advice, how we are to live in the here and now, and he roots all of that wisdom in the perfection of who God is. And that is the very root and foundation of all biblical wisdom. It's rooted in the character of God. And so it is this that we want to see this morning and meditate upon. I want us to meditate on the goodness of God as he gives good gift. So as we begin this morning, let us begin with prayer, asking for God's help for us as we study his word together. Father, this is your word. And you promise that it never goes out in vain, but it will always produce, it will always accomplish the thing to which you send it. And so, Father, we pray that this morning your word will produce in us your desired effect. That we would be men and women and children who rejoice all the more in you. Who know how we are to then enjoy these gifts that you have given to us. Oh, Father, bless our time together. Use my stammering tongue for your glory, O oh God. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. The very first thing that we see when we come to James 1.17 is this truth, is, is this meditation on the good gifts that God does give. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. Here we have good and perfect gifts. Every good gift it speaks of everything that is good. And what, is, what is good? What are the gifts that are good in this world? It is a beautiful, as one of you shared with me as we were coming in the door this morning, it's a beautiful spring morning today. The sunshine is a good gift. Rainfall is a good gift. Christmas dinner and warm clothes on a cold day. Friendships and family. A, a church family with whom we gather, not only as a social event, but to worship God and a church family who will walk with us and hold us accountable and love us and invest in us. 
A church in which we can partner with. To see that the mission, the work of God on earth is done, both in us and outside of us. From those gifts that are wrapped under the tree. Kids, you know those Christmas gifts that you opened yesterday? Just think for a moment. Don't don't answer, but think for a moment. Which one was your favorite one? When I was growing up, every year, my mother, of all the gifts that she would give me, she always gave me underwear. I didn't mind when I was three and four and five and six and seven because they always came with really cool prints on them. You know, Batman and Robin or Superman or whatever. Those were cool. I can't believe I'm sharing this from the pole, but those were cool underwear when you're, when you're that young. But by 14 and 15 and 16, I've got two older sisters, a little brother, and package is handed to me and it's that shape and it's soft and I I know what it is and it's you know and in our family we wrap we open gifts one at a time starting from youngest to oldest so my younger brother would open one then it would be my turn then one sister to the next so there's no hiding what you get I did not enjoy that gift But there are so many other gifts you you do enjoy. Where do those gifts come from? Well, my parents, my grandparents, aunts and uncles and friends, they gave, this is wonderful cousins, they they gave me these gifts. Absolutely all yes. But what, what this text is telling you, telling all of us, old and young, is that Every good gift is directly traced to God. The one who gives you those gifts ultimately, and he gives them through parents. He gives them through grandparents. He gives them through cousins and and all the rest. All of it comes from God. And this gift extends far beyond Christmas. It extends to every day of the year. As John Piper has said, God is at every moment doing 10,000 things of which we may be aware of three of them. God is giving good gifts to us relentlessly. And every good thing in your life, every good thing in your life can be traced to God. We're told it's every good gift and every perfect gift. And on on one level, it seems James is just, for stylistic reasons, repeating himself here. It's a good gift. It's a perfect gift. It all comes from above. But there is one shading of difference. It seems that the aim is it's not only a good gift, but it accomplishes good for us. So to go back to that package of underwear that my mother would give me every Christmas That was not a gift that I appreciated so much. But was it a good gift in that I always needed new underwear? It was good for me. And not every gift that we get is ultimately good for us. 
It may be good in moderation, but maybe not if we consume it all at once. Some of you were given gifts of chocolate, gifts of dessert, gifts of whatever it may be. Christmas cookies. That is good if you stretch it out over time. It is not good if you consume it all in one sitting. God's good gifts are not only good, they achieve good for us. They achieve good for us. The point, friends, is that everything, everything, everything good in this world has God as its author. And you and I experience it only by the grace and the goodness of God. Every good gift and perfect gift comes from the above. And you see this, the, the comprehension, the, the comprehensiveness of that gift. It is every good gift, every perfect gift. That is, there is nothing left out here. There is nothing undone. It, God is good and he is good all the time. Every good gift, every perfect gift. Everything that God gives is good. And nothing good is given outside of God giving it. You know, there is nothing that you and I can experience in this world that is good. That God is ultimately not responsible for. And this is part of what James wants us to see. At the first half in verses 12 to up to verse 16, the aim of James is to help us see that God is not responsible for sin, our sin, or temptation. That is, there is a, an asymmetry here. He is responsible for everything good, but for that which is sin and evil, God is not responsible for directly. Yes, he is sovereign and he is over it all and he orders all things, absolutely. But in some mysterious way, God is directly responsible for the good, but he is not and cannot be blamed for what is evil or the sin. Every good gift comes from above. Just let your mind dwell on that. There is nothing in this world good outside of what God has given. We see going forward this, the, the, the good that he gives or the giver of these good gifts. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. God is here pictured. He is called the, the Father of lights. This is, he is the one who has created the sun and the moon and the stars. He is the one who in the very beginning said, let there be light and there was light. He is the father of lights before there, there were lights in the heavens themselves. Because God is the perfect light. Indeed, 
Paul describes the Lord in 1 Timothy 6, 16 as the one who dwells in unapproachable light. So great is the brightness of the light of God that we, we cannot draw near to him. And in 1 John 1, 5, we are told that God is light and in him there is no darkness at all. He is the father of light. He is, in him there is no darkness. He is holy light, perfectly perfect. Do you remember that, that old coffee advertisement? I, I think it was from Maxwell House. You know, good to the last drop. That is our God. He, he is good in every part of him. But there is, there is no part of God that is good. He doesn't have a bad day. He never gets down. There is no dark side to God. He, he never has to worry about putting his best foot forward, about what others may think of him, because there is no bad part to him. There is nothing to hide. There is nothing to conceal. You know, when you and I get tired or hungry or our plans suddenly change, you and I may get irritated or frustrated. Often what rises in our hearts is not good. Anger, anxiety, hopelessness. But if we could see a window into the mind and character of God, we wouldn't see any of this because God is always and only good. He is the father of lights. Indeed, we already have a window into his mind. We have his word. More than that, he has given us his own son. Would we know what God is like? Look to Jesus. When he is falsely accused, what is his response? It is silence. When he is beaten and brutalized and spit upon, when he is crucified, his response is, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. In every way and at every time, our Christ shows the perfect character of God, the good character of God. And yet there are times where we may be led to believe that God is, is not good. We, we judge him by what we see and by what we feel. Rather than trusting him for all things, we evaluate him by the circumstances in which we find ourselves rather than judging our circumstances based upon what we know of him. We are often live life backwards, aren't we? Upside down. This is why I asked Jeff earlier to read for us that passage in Matthew chapter 7, verses 9 through 11, which tell us when Christ speaking to those around him, asks which one of you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? If you then, who are evil, and there's the contrast, we are sinners, we 
are evil at heart, if we know how to give good gifts to our children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven good gifts to those who ask him? God is not the author of evil. There is no, there isn't a shred of evil or wrongness in the Lord. He is holy and only good. But he is more than that. Because God may be good now. But what if he is not good a year from now? Or perhaps maybe in 2019, that was when God was doing good. But 2020, maybe God was having a bad year. And so James wants us to see that not only is God good and every perfect gift comes from him, for he is the father of lights. James wants us to see that God is unchangeably good. That God cannot help but be good day after day after day through all eternity, which is why he goes on to say, with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. So if we can go back to that idea of the father of lights. James is in one level making a comparison to the lights that we see in creation. You have the sun and the moon and the stars. They can be relied upon to, to shine. We, we know that the sun will rise again tomorrow. Even if the cloud coverage conceals it from us, we will know that it is shining. The stars are there in present But there is one way in which they are significantly different. They were able to tell, even in the ancient world, that there were blemishes in the surface of the sun. Today we call them sunspots. They also saw that with the times and the changing of the seasons, the stars would change. And so they, they judged things by the, 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 the movement of the heavens. And what they may not have been aware of, but we, because of what we are able to know through telescopes and, and long-range uh, visits to, to space, is that we as a planet are not just moving and rotating, or, you know, turning daily. Not only are we revolving around the sun, but we as a whole solar system are hurtling through the galaxy at an unfathomable pace. And our galaxy itself is, is moving quite rapidly as all galaxies are spreading out. There is change in the heavens. But James wants us to see that, yes, God, God, he is like the heavens, like the sun, like the stars in that they shine, our God shines. And you can expect them day after day after day to shine. But there is one significant difference. The stars and the sun and the moon, all of that will change. The moon will wax and wane. It will become full and then it will decrease again. There are blemishes on the surface of the sun marring its perfect light. Stars come and they go. 
But there is no change in God. He is immutable in his person and perfections. That is, he cannot change. Malachi 3, 6 writes, For I, the Lord, do not change. Therefore, you are not consumed. Why does he bring this up? Because he wants us to know that at every moment and at at every time, not just in our earthly existence now, but for all eternity, God will never change. He will always be and he will always do what is good. He will never cease to give good gifts because God can never cease to be good himself. He is unchangeable, immutable in his goodness. This means God, unlike you and I, he can never improve. He has always been perfectly perfect, perfectly good. There is no more goodness that he could have. He cannot improve, nor can he decrease in goodness one bit. He is always perfectly good. And because of this, God cannot give bad gifts. He can't even give mediocre gifts. Sometimes we will say that God can do all things and we know what we mean, but on the face of it, that is not true. God cannot lie. He cannot do evil. And he cannot give bad or even okay gifts. This will mean that in the new heavens, in the new earth, when, when we are with God forever in heaven. One of the things that we will say is that we will be able to say then that we may not fully be able to grasp now is that if we knew everything God knows, we would want nothing except what he has chosen to give us because he is unchangeably good. He is unchangeably good, unchangeable in his goodness. He is unchangeable in his knowledge. And think of how knowledge is important for giving good gifts. To give a good gift, you need to know the other person well. If you're giving them a piece of clothing, you got to know what size they are. If you're giving them a piece of jewelry, you need to know what they like. What kind of food do they enjoy? There, there is knowledge that is needed. Husbands, how often have you gotten the sizing of your wife's clothing wrong? The sizing of a piece of jewelry wrong? When I was first married, there were a few men in the church who advised me never to get Melissa anything related and any cookware related to the kitchen. Like she'll, she'll think you're just getting a gift that's going to be for you. So don't, don't get her, get her other things. So for the first couple of years of our marriage, I, I didn't get my wife. I was good. I didn't get my wife those things, even though she would ask for them. I knew, ah, it's a test. <laughs> and then one year when she had gone beyond the, the hinting stage to the explicit, like, this is what I want. And I got her, I, I think it was a, a bread machine. And she was so ecstatic. And I was surprised at how much she enjoyed it. 
And I shared with her what these men had told me. And she, her response was, they're wrong. I had been trying to give her good gifts, but I didn't know. God knows us. He knows you. He knows exactly not only what is good for you, he knows what you need. Maybe not the thing you want. He knows what you need. He knows that sometimes you and I need trials. We need hardship. Just as the surgeon is good who takes the scalpel and makes the cut to remove that which is harmful, so the Lord is good when he knows to remove and to cause us pain so that he might do us good. God knows you. Because he is unchangeable in his goodness and unchangeable in his knowledge, he is able to give you good things. More than this, he is is unchangeable in his love and his justice and his mercy and his holiness and his grace and in his wisdom. For in his wisdom, he is able to tie all of these things together in ways that will bless and be good. And there is no variation or change in him. He does not alter. He does not grow old. He does not grow weary. He is at all times perfectly good, giving good gifts. And we see in verse 18, James moves from this general talk of all gifts that God gives are good, and then he wants to bring us to this ultimate gift. This gift of salvation, this gift of his son, this gift of making us individually, spiritually alive to him. We, we call this regeneration. But he writes of this in verse 18. Of his own will, he brought us forth by the word of truth, that we might be a kind of firstfruits of his creation. This is the, the great pinnacle of all of his gifts. It is undeserved by us, for we are sinners. It was unearned by us. He brought us forth. He gave us new life. We didn't do do it ourselves. We didn't contribute to it. It was a gift. It was unaffected by us. Of his own will, he brought us forth. He produces it, not with our own cooperation, but according to his own word. It was unfathomable to us. But the king of glory, the king of goodness itself, would allow sinners to enter into his presence through the sacrifice of his own son. This is incredible. That God would look so fondly and lovingly upon us That he would send his only son into the world to be born helpless and weak so that he might ultimately take our sin upon himself. 
So what does all this mean for us as we view the many gifts of God? And my hope and prayer for each of us this week is that we will meditate on all of God's good gifts. I hope this afternoon, I hope, I hope this week, your mind, is, as you think about the good things that come, the things that have gone on in your life, perhaps even those things that have been painful for you in the past, but have ultimately produced good in your life, I hope that you are able to do something with those gifts. The first, the gifts that you are given, I It is only right that if God is the giver of all good gifts, it is only right that we enjoy everything that he gives to us. There is that that hymn where we turn your eyes upon Jesus. Are you familiar with that old hymn? And look full in his wonderful face and the things of earth will grow strangely dim. In one level, what that hymn is reminding us is that when we look at God, we will cease to value the things of this world so highly. But what we must not do is fall into the error of thinking that it is somehow unspiritual or unchristian to enjoy the things that God has given to you. So that we, we hide them as if they, they have come from another source. We are ashamed of them. In fact, enjoying the gifts that God gives to you is perhaps one of the most spiritual things you can do this week. It was right and good for Adam and Eve in the garden to enjoy all that God gave them, was it not? In fact, if they would have enjoyed all the more everything God had given them as a good gift, they would not have been tempted to enjoy that thing that God told them was not good. Enjoy what God has given you. Husbands, wives, enjoy one another. Parents, children, enjoy one another. Those things that you opened yesterday or last year, enjoy what God has provided you. Were you able to do something this past year that was particularly good? Enjoy it. Revel in the fact that God allowed you to to go to that special place, to enjoy that event, to have those things. That is a mercy And he gives it intending for us to enjoy it. Parents, think about it yesterday as you gave gifts to your kids. What is the response you wanted from them? Is it not for them to enjoy the good things that you have given? How much more does God who gives only good things desire that we would enjoy them? Enjoy them guilt-free. Enjoy them fear-free of what others may think. Enjoy them. Enjoy them. Enjoy them. Because God is the giver of them all. 
More than that, we can enjoy the gifts with thankfulness and humility. In fact, the more, the more humble we are and the more thankful we are, the more our enjoyment of the gifts of God will increase. When we see that we did not deserve those good gifts, when we see how great the mercy and the grace of God is toward us to give us those things, if we would contemplate for a moment what we ultimately and truly deserve outside of Jesus, we will be thankful for everything. And our enjoyment of the gifts of God will be elevated. God calls us to humility and he calls us to thankfulness in his good gifts for he will find that our happiness and joy in them will rise. So enjoy them with humility and thankfulness because God knows what is best for us. God knows what is good for us. And this means that when the gift is coming and we are not particularly sure that it feels so good, humility recognizes that we ourselves do not know what God knows. That we are willing to trust that our God is good because he has shown himself to be good even when our lives do not feel good. That is the mark of humility. Third, enjoy the gifts of God with wisdom. This will mean that we steward those gifts well. If God gives good gifts, he has given them for good purposes and we want to see those purposes accomplished. This may mean that we enjoy God's gifts with moderation. This will definitely mean that we enjoy God's gifts with obedience. But we are to enjoy them. Work and family, relationships, leisure, comfort, entertainment, everything that God gives under the sun, even the sun itself is to be enjoyed and stewarded well for the glory of God. Fourth, we are to enjoy the gifts of God with generosity. If God, out of his goodness, gives good gifts. How much more ought we to be generous toward others? Psalm 37, 21 tells us that the wicked borrows but does, not pay, but does not pay back, but the righteous is generous and gives. Paul writes in 1 Timothy 6 about the rich. He says they are to do good, to be rich in good works to be generous and ready to share, thus storing up to themselves as a good foundation for the future so that they may take hold of that which is truly life. How can we come out of Christmas and in light of God's ultimate gift in his son and not learn generosity? Generosity with our time, with our money, with our effort, with our emotions, with our belongings. We will enjoy God's gifts with generosity. 
Lastly, there are many other ways we might meditate on this and truths we might draw out. But lastly, we must enjoy not only the gifts themselves, but ultimately we enjoy the gifts themselves to the glory of the giver. We are to enjoy God as the giver of every good gift. Now, yesterday morning, parents gave good gifts to their kids. Kids go off, they begin to play as the, the parents desire. But how terrible is it when we, when we enjoy the gifts and we ignore the givers? How terrible is it when we say, yes, I'll take that, and we walk away? Indeed, it, is, it honors the gift giver when we enjoy the gift, but how quickly is all that honor undone when after we have unwrapped the gift, we ignore those who give. And this is what you and I are in danger of doing every day. Brother and sister in Christ, remember who it is that has given you every good thing. I believe it was C.S. Lewis. He gave the example of a person in a in a room, a dark room when, where the, the, the shades, the curtains are drawn tightly together so that there is very visible, little visible light in the room. But it is, that room, it, it is dwelt in while the sun is shining outside and there is a, a little gap in the curtains. And perhaps you can picture this in your mind. In a, in a beam of light, flows through that gap in the curtain, landing somewhere on the floor. And there are ways that you can enjoy that, that beam of light as it comes in. You can see how it illuminates a good bit of the room around it. You can enjoy the brightness of that light as it pierces the darkness, watching the, the dust float in and out of that beam of light. But part of what you and I are called to do as Christians is, if we can stick with that analogy, is to get on our hands and feet and to get in that beam of light and to look at the gift and through the gift back to the source of the giver. Now I realize that analogy breaks down because if you do that this afternoon, you may need to see an eye doctor later this week. But that is how we, that is part of the way that we as Christians enjoy the gifts that God himself gives. To look through the gift and to trace it back to the one who ultimately gives it. The gift comes through the wisdom of God as he has created all things. It comes through his gifts that he has given to us in this world. Systems are in place so that we may enjoy all sorts of things that without those things we would never be able to appreciate. We have things to purchase from stores and things that we have ourselves because truck drivers exist and are able to ship them in a timely manner. Because there is 
a manufacturer who makes it and there is a designer and an inventor and there is a, a whole process of things to get made, produced and sold. And then the Lord through all of that puts it on the heart of someone to purchase that gift or allows us to experience that blessing. This is how we must handle all of God's good gifts. To trace the gift back to the giver. Always reveling in the great gift himself, Christ Jesus. Let's pray. Father in heaven, you have been enormously good and you will always be good. Father, I pray that you would help us this week to revel and rejoice in all of your good gifts. Remind us tomorrow and the day after and the day after that that every breath we take, every smile we are able to enjoy, every pleasure that we take in this world comes from your open and generous good hand. Oh, Father, we pray that you will give us faith in you to trust our entire lives over to your unchanging goodness. Not only that we may not accuse you of evil, but that we may rejoice in you as unchangeably good and we would delight in you, O oh God. Do this according to your grace in Christ, whom you have given for us. It is in his name that we pray. Amen.